just like Carrie Elway's foot at the end of the first movie, you're going to get spoiled. I want to play a game. <coughs> oh, sorry about that. It is I, Max, uh, your, well, one co-host this time, uh, the soul brother, uh, if you will, uh, for a new segment of Twinema Cinema. I'm here by my lonesome as my lovely brother Joey is uh, off doing his own thing, but I love him, so uh, I'm just here this time because I took it upon myself to uh, go through all of a certain franchise, a long-running installment-driven franchise that has a new sequel coming out, uh, and weirdly enough, this time at least, it's not Fast and the Furious. Uh, I watched all of the Saw movies as there are eight of those things uh, to go through. And uh, I'm here for a, a mini field trip, if you will, uh, to insert city name here, as they don't actually name the city in the movies. Um, but, uh, you know, Inside Baseball, they all filmed in Toronto, except for the first one, which filmed in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, I guess uh, pretty much this is a mini-episode, so I'm just going to go through the ratings real quick. And some box office, and uh, we'll call it that. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you right now, this was not a pleasurable journey going back through all these movies. Um, I guess our policy withstanding of never revealing your ranking before going through the list. But uh, oof, oof, baboof. Um, yeah, I mean, rounding out the top, or I should say bottom, of that list, you have Saw, the final chapter... Easily the worst installment in the series, as there is just some, frankly, some staggering plot holes all through the movie, including a weird dream sequence death that is out of place, and they just wanted to get some more gore in. And that's one thing that's worth mentioning with these movies. They are just one upsmanship personified. Um, I remember going and seeing these movies, every single one of them in theaters, in college specifically. Uh, because it was almost like a, a rite of passage to see what they could throw at you and what you could withstand. And it's one of my favorite memories, weirdly enough, because I just remember like it was a quiet, sweaty theater and everyone was just eking and shrieking at the same time. And it was a great time, but uh, rewatching these movies, uh, not as fun a time. Um, but I just have to comment on Saw the Final Chapter because it sees the return of one of the main stars of the first Saw, Carrie Elways, uh, Dread Pirate Roberts himself. Uh, but, uh, of course, he's introduced uh, in a capacity that he is maligned to right now, and that is a villain. He's been a secret accomplice all along, so uh, who knew, especially since you only introduced him as a smarmy survivor and he doesn't appear at all through the movie until the very end when, surprise, he's been the bad guy all along. Uh, so, yeah, no surprise there. Although I do want to mention that Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park was in this movie uh, before his untimely death, but he was as most cameos are in these movies, uh, part of a, a jigsaw trap. And uh, pretty much when he was screaming, it just it reminded me of the of the sound of most of the Linkin Park discography. Uh, so <laughs> it was just kind of funny there. But uh, I always have to comment on the best traps as well. Uh, and uh, there's a, a really good one in here. Um, I have to say, it the best death was 
the Dream Death, which is the rocket rail car uh, of Doom, in which case uh, the fake Saw, played by Costas Mandalore, just builds this death train to kill the previous wife of the, you know, still dead Jigsaw, and she's ripped to pieces, and it's just very amusing because she just flies everywhere, and she does before she, you know, wakes up from the dream. Uh, uh, I just, I don't like this movie at all, mostly because they never actually clarify that it was actually um, Hoffman, the dirty detective apprentice of Saw, uh, who actually put young Indiana Jones, Sean Patrick Flannery, in a trap in the first place. And it really didn't have much to do with the rest of the plot, but that's kind of, you know, what happens in these movies anyway, so no real surprise there. Um, moving on up from uh, the bottom of the list, we have what I'm just lumping together is the Hoffman movies, as I see them all as kind of the same homogenous blob of movie and I'll get into it a little later, my justification there, but Hoffman is just an ass the entire time. He's not fun to watch. And so this whole blob includes Saws 6, 5, and 4. 4 I'll give a little kudos to because the new screenwriters involved with the franchise after Lee Whannell and uh, James Wan kind of uh, let the whole franchise do its whole thing. Um, it surprised me by taking place concurrently with the previous movie. That was the twist. And, you know, this is a franchise that is uh, ripe with all kinds of twists. But it was uh, shocking at the time, and there's some fantastic transitions that they do practically without special effects. So there's really good filmmaking involved in there. It's just lost for the most part. Um, it's like with all these movies... Uh, I'm trying to think of all the traps because it's basically, again, one-upsmanship and it's all about just how gross can you get. And with most of these traps, you have to, like, analyze how it was used and, I mean, best probably trap in Saw 6 is probably the new and improved reverse bear trap that uh, they stick on Hoffman and he finds a way to get out of it spectacularly, but uh, that's kind of a the surprise twist at the end of the movie that he survives um, his fate. Saw 4, Saw 4 I liked, but uh, there's nothing that really beats uh, Donnie Wahlberg's head getting crushed by uh, blocks of ice. Like, you can't get past that. It's just too too uh, interesting to watch. Um, in Saw 5, I liked the glass cube on the head thing because it was a fun twist that at the very beginning of the movie, the detective who Hoffman is trying to frame uh, gives himself a tracheotomy in order to breathe, and it was just kind of a no-win scenario that he found a way to win, and that was fun to watch, even though, you know, that was the height of the movie, and it kind of went downhill after that. For the next one up... Uh, which case this would be number four. I'm actually putting Jigsaw, the most recent one in 2017. They actually tried something new here. Of course, it was another secret apprentice at the end of the movie, but it was still at least interesting because they got back to what is important about these movies, and it's the fact that to make a successful Saw movie, or at least, you know, a decently interesting one, it's all about how you care about the victims, not the perpetrators of the traps. It's like you have to care about who's uh, suffering, and they do that relatively well, uh, even though it kind of works into the uh, twist at the end. But, um, yeah, 
it's like about Saw's like first first game and his first secret apprentice of many. Um, and of course, Callum Keith Rennie playing the resident asshole cop because oh, this franchise is just full of asshole cops. Uh, and he gets lasered to death and turns into what looks like a demigorgon uh, from Stranger Things. But uh, that is probably the best kill in that movie, uh, hands down. Although there's plenty of hand maiming as well. Um, uh, so this actually changed in my recent viewing. Saw 2 is at number 3. I like Saw 2 a lot because originally the script was co-opted from a regular old escape room type movie. Uh, and turned into the first sequel to the blockbuster that was Saw. Um, I always remember this one because it frustrates me to no end because the production design is decent enough to where you can see the clues for all the other characters that aren't even addressed in the movie in the background and hidden elsewhere. So, like, if this was a an interactive type movie, you almost think you could, you know, go find the envelope for that one character that was never addressed because they were just forgotten because the plot... And then you're introduced to Donnie Wahlberg's character, Eric Matthews, which I will never get over. His name is Eric Matthews, like Wilfred L's character in Boy Meets World. And I just wanted him to yell, at somebody in the movie. And it would have not felt out of character at all. Uh, <laughs> um, the cringiest part of this movie is the needle pit that, of course, the first secret apprentice were introduced to uh, Amanda is thrown into by just the worst person ever played by Frankie G um, into a just a used syringe pit and it's just it is painful to watch and I can just remember the theater just collectively <gasps> and uh, weirdly at number two here is Saw 3 and Angus McFadden plays the main guy being tested so we think uh, and he's just run through the gamut of personal revenge and forgiveness, and it's a good subplot, and we actually feel him uh, going through that. But the real test, the twist in this movie, is uh, Amanda, the first secret apprentice, being tested, uh, and just her dedication to the lessons that Jigsaw is supposed to be teaching, uh, and... Yeah, the the fact that the whole movie is basically her test the whole time uh, is a fun twist. But uh, yeah, like I cared about Angus McFadden's plight, so it was definitely uh, more successful there. Although the one of the tests involves this guy supposedly drowning in eviscerated pig uh, entrails, and it is easily the grossest thing in a saga of gross things. And ugh. It's like, yeah, that made me gag every time. And of course, number one, the first and great Saw hosting easily one of my favorite twist endings of all time, that with John Kramer, the Saw Killer, uh, played by Tobin Bell. Um, secretly in this escapeless escape room the entire movie, and it's nuts. And the reason it's a great movie, and it's only good one, honestly, in this series, is the fact that it focuses on the two main characters. One, Adam, played by co-writer Lee Whannell, uh, and Carrie Elwes playing Dr. Lawrence Gordon. Uh, it's their story. Like, they lost style trying to figure out how they got in this room and the reason they're in this room as well and why they deserve their punishment. And it's about those two people and everything else 
is frosting. Like, Danny Glover, he's this vengeful cop who wants to pin the whole thing on Lawrence Gordon, and yeah, it's, it's, it's deceiving you the entire time. It's her intent, and every other movie after that loses it, and I can see why James Wan cleared himself of the franchise for the most part and moved on to better things, and yes, Aquaman is one of those better things. So with this movie franchise, it is impressive to say the least. Like, there are eight of these things, and seven of these eight movies came out every single year uh, for a decade, pretty much. 2004 through 2010 saw a movie a year, which is impressive, to be clear. Like, and each of these movies cost nothing to make. I mean, honestly, it looks like it on screen, uh, and they didn't get any big-name actors, even though, you know, Carrie Elways famously got screwed out of some money because uh, he didn't get paid in the back end when Saw turned out to be a hit. But each of these movies costs less than $10 million, with the exception of Saw the Final Chapter, because it was, you know, first advertised as Saw 3D, so that was expensive to produce. And, of course, you get Carrie Elways because he wants money. But the first movie uh, famously cost... $1.2 million, and it made over $100 million at the box office. So clearly sequels were going to be made. Uh, budget uh, kept going up, although it stayed about the same. Like, it was $4 million for Saw 2. It made $147 million. $10 million budget for Saw 3. The most profitable at $164 million. This is all worldwide. $10 million again for Saw 4. $139 million. Uh, and then 10.8 for Saw 5. Uh, 113 million when, you know, you start this first C, the dip uh, sequels do get in profits. $11 million for Saw, 668 million, the least profitable of all of them. 20 million budget for Saw, 736 million. And Jigsaw, number eight, uh, seven years later, kind of went back to the basics. $10 million budget for a $102 million gross. And I'm not going to get too much into the Rotten Tomatoes scores in these movies, as pretty much all of them are abysmal, save for the first Saw, and deservedly so. Um, so I don't want to go too much into that. But pretty much all of this is a lead-up to Spiral, which is coming out th as this is being recorded, the Friday uh, coming up. And I'm excited to see what they do with it. I hope they get back to the basics of showing... Who is in the trap and making us care about them? I know Chris Rock is playing a cop searching for the victims, so I have my doubts, but I'm going to be in the theaters anyway because I'm a glutton for punishment. But there's something about these movies as they are pretty much a modern-day Faces of Death. Now, if you don't know what Faces of Death is, they're pretty much softcore snuff films from the 70s. Supposedly putting images of real death in front of you. It was engineered, of course, but it was infamous for the time, making the Midnight Show rounds for decades with uh, multiple installments, and it's actually going to get rebooted pretty soon as well. But it's basically just seeing what you can show the audience and how far you can push that envelope before it breaks. And uh, the MPAA disowned them, basically, and almost everything in the Saw movies Barely made it to screen as well um, without, you know, severe cuts because 
well, I mean, obviously there's cuts in this movie that uh, go pretty deep and are disgusting. But, uh, yeah, that's basically my take on the Saw franchise. One, clearly the best. The others, you really don't need to watch again. None. Uh, I mean, I just it, it was just, you know, a palate cleanser before I went to Spiral, which should be interesting, hopefully. But, um, yeah, this was the first Soul Brother installment. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, like, subscribe on all of our social medias, Instagram, Facegram, uh, Twittergram, all of the grams. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next time with the full episode. Thanks.